When you lose, it hurts. It's hard. But it's also why winning is so great in this league, because it's not easy to do. And when you get them, man, it's special. I'm just, man, I'm proud of those guys. I'm proud of them. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. So there's this snowstorm going down, right? Supposed to really get a nice stripe across the western portion of the state. So the Twin Cities up towards Eau Claire and then down to La Crosse. I don't think Madison's getting hit as hard. I don't know if Milwaukee in that corner of the state's getting hit at all. I keep looking out the window. It hasn't started yet. I was promised five to nine inches of snow. And I haven't seen a flake yet. I was looking forward to waking up this morning and then watching the snow fall throughout the day. No, I haven't got it. And I tell you what, if it doesn't snow at all, and this is all for nothing, and this is big mess and a, and, and a big storyline for nothing, I'm going to be ticked. I'm going to be really ticked. Haven't seen this big of a letdown since the Milwaukee Brewers. Hyped that team in their playoff berth for a couple of weeks, and then what happened? Oh, nothing. Sorry, that's the best That's the best I have today. That's the best opening joke I have. That's the, that's the best I could muster. Sorry. Packers have been on bye for two weeks. That's all I had. I, I gave it my best. I gave it my all for an opening joke. That's all I have to offer today is comparing a snowstorm to the Milwaukee Brewers. Sorry. That, that's the low point of the show. It's only up from here. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. I hope your week is wrapping up nicely. And I think it is snowing in other parts of the state. So, like, I got a Snapchat for my mom. She works in Eau Claire. It looked like it was snowing there. So, it might just be a lacrosse problem that there's no snow coming down. So, if you're driving out and about, just be safe. Be slow. If you're 10 minutes late, big deal. It's not worth sliding off the road or running into a semi. Please, just go slow. And that's more time to listen to the show. Pull up. Hey, pull over onto the shoulder. Wait until the snow is done completely. You can listen to the full two hours. It's going to be a great show. A lot of different things. I want to start with the Vikings. God bless the Minnesota Vikings. God bless them. Now, they held on last night, 36-28, but that doesn't even begin to tell the story of this game. So we're going to get into that team. We're going to talk Badgers hoops. We just touched on them a little bit last night, and it was it was good. It was a good conversation, but I think we have more to say. I think there's better, bigger conversations to have than the barely, you know, surface-level stuff that we did yesterday. So I do want to do Badgers basketball. That's going to be at 4.30. At 5.30, I I, I played the role of producer today. I, I booked us somebody. We got Seth Part now who used to be in the Bucks front office and now podcasts and writes for The Athletic. And he's got a new book out. It's called The Midrange Theory. And it's really good. It's got a lot of interesting anecdotes about his time working for the Bucks and personnel decisions that they made and chose not to make. It's, it's really interesting. And we're going to talk about his book, yes. But I also have a couple of Bucks questions and a couple league questions for Seth as a brilliant basketball mind, but also someone who's worked in a front office. I have some questions for this guy. He'll join us at 5.30. You can join me at any time. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Follow me on Twitter. What the heck? What the heck? What, what the heck? If you're listening right now and you have a Twitter and you're not following me, please get it together. <laughs> Follow me at Wisco Grant. All right. I want to start with the Vikings. I was excited about this game last night. I'm always excited to watch the Vikings on primetime, and I explained this yesterday. As a radio host of a Wisconsin sports show, the Vikings are my second favorite team in the NFL. And it's not close. I don't even know who would be third. 
it would be the Bears, but the Bears are just, I mean, Bears fans, you get it. They're just not very interesting. They're just kind of boring. The Vikings are anything but. My favorite teams in the NFL, Packers 1, Vikings 2, and then it's leagues before I would have another team that I'm interested in and which team would be number three. There's two times this year that the Packers haven't played on Sunday. There's week eight, and they played on Thursday night football against the Cardinals. And then the following Sunday, what happened? The Vikings played on Sunday night football, and they lost to Cooper Rush. And it was fascinating to talk about. Week 13, Packers are on by. This is last Sunday. Detroit gets Minnesota. Minnesota gifts the Lions their first win of the season. Wow, what a fun game to watch. And then today, today is the 10th straight show since the last Packers game. And when the Packers go on by, it can be a little bit of a grind. Because last week, we're still reacting to the game against the Rams. We're talking about that game. And then this week, we kind of run out of things to talk about. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers' toe. And is he getting a pin put in there? Or what's going going on? Right? We kind of run out of things to talk about. Well, the Vikings stepped up again last night. They almost, almost, keyword, blew a 29-point second-half lead. They're up 29 to nothing in the third quarter. And they almost blew it. Pittsburgh was on the doorstep of the end zone. Had a pass in the hands of Pat Fryermuth, their rookie tight end. It was right there. Could have caught it, and then they would have an opportunity to tie it with a two-point conversion. And Harrison Smith, or or whatever player it was, I don't know, jumped in there and broke up the pass. Fell incomplete. The buzzer sounded. Triple zeros. Vikings won 36-28. I got to say, I looked it up today. U.S. Bank Stadium's address is 401 Chicago Avenue, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. It's a little weird that it's on Chicago Avenue. I'm sending a fruit basket. To the Wilfs, to Mike Zimmer, to Rick Spielman. I don't know what kind of recipe they got in that building to make this team the way that it is, but God bless this team because they always give us something entertaining to talk about. For the first half of this open, this little first segment, I'm going to speak as I am now as a Packer fan and as a football fan. In a few minutes, I'm going to switch to a Vikings perspective and actually talk about this like I am a Vikings fan, and I'll give my thoughts on last night's game. First, just overarching big picture Packers fan, football fan. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe Vikings fans, you can explain it to me. I don't know how a team could do this every week if they tried to do this every week. This Vikings team is, I I don't get it. I don't get how they do it. You couldn't be this exciting and this up and down on a week-by-week basis if your life depended on it. I was reading Zimmer quotes, and we're going to hear a little bit from Mike Zimmer in about 15 minutes. I don't know if Mike Zimmer gets it either. Sometimes he just gets to the podium and... Sometimes uh, in the Zoom room, he he wears his Beats, his big headphones, which kind of cracks me up. And he just always kind of seems lost for words. He's like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Year after year, season after season, it's just something different. It's like, God, we lost to the Lions. We're up 29 to nothing on Pittsburgh. We look like we beat anyone in the league, and then everything falls apart. What's going on? This guy is getting COVID, and this guy's getting hurt, and this guy doesn't want to get vaccinated, and it's a big story, and... Dalvin Cook has some weird domestic issue going on, and Everson Griffin is having mental health issues. Like, my God, I don't get paid enough for this. That's what Mike Zimmer looks like most of the time. I don't think he can wrap his arms and mind around how this team functions and everything that goes on. Vikings fans, you're used to it. I work with a couple Vikings fans, and when I come in, I was like, hey, how was the game? You know, did you watch? Whatever. No, I didn't watch. I can't bring myself to watch this team anymore, right? Like, Vikings fans are so over it. Packers fans, I think we kind of understand it. We live amongst Vikings fans, depending which area of the state. I've always lived really close to Minnesota, so I kind of get it. But imagine trying to explain this team to someone who doesn't live around here or someone who's disconnected. 
like a few bets that I was following last night. I didn't put money on any of these things. But before the game, I was kind of looking at some of the numbers and the props and the spreads. And I'm like, okay, I think I would like this. And I, I would like this. I loved Minnesota minus three and a half. Loved it. You're buying Minnesota at their low after losing to the Lions. That's a discount buy three and a half at home. A motivated Vikings team. I loved minus three and a half. And I loved Justin Jefferson over seven and a half receptions. Well, the Vikings almost blew the minus three and a half because if Fryermuth catches that touchdown and Pittsburgh misses the two-point conversion, pick covers after trailing 29 in the third quarter. And if it goes to overtime, let's say Pittsburgh gets the ball first and they win, well, they win outright and then the cover's blown. They almost failed to cover or win outright a game that they led by 29 points in the third quarter. I swear with this Vikings team. Justin Jefferson, seven and a half receptions. He had six in the first half. And he couldn't he couldn't get to eight. He finished with seven. Are you kidding me? Kirk Cousins missed him a couple of times. It's just like, oh my God, this team. Whether you're cheering for them to win or cover or you're betting props, it's never easy with this team. It's never boring. And that's why I love them. That's why I love them. You I'd light my money on fire before I bet anything on the Vikings, because this is what they do. But as a content creator, as a show host, oh my God, I love them. You kidding me? Now, I want to try to do something here. I'm going to pretend like this is a Viking show. Like that's the, that's the perspective I want to have here for the next couple of minutes before we take a break. I want to pretend I'm a Vikings fan and I'm talking about this team, not as the other team when the Packers are on by, but, but let's say this is the, the mini sports show, the Minnesota sports show or whatever, right? The 10,000 Lakes show. I'm going to talk from a Vikings perspective. As the host, I'm going to try to act like I'm connected to the well-being of this team, right? I'm intrigued by this team. I'm not involved. I'm going to act like I'm involved here. Okay, here we go. I know the Vikings won last night, and we saw some really amazing things from Dalvin and Justin. I'm going to use the first names. That's what Paul Allen does, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be the homer. I think some of that was Pittsburgh being stupid and having a really bad O-line. But they drafted Najee Harris thinking that would fix everything, and, and obviously it didn't. Dalvin Cook at one point last night ran for 8.2 yards before contact. <laughs> how? How is that? How? How does that happen? 8.2 yards before contact. It's like some of those Wisconsin games against Nebraska with Melvin Gordon, where he'd be 10 yards down the field before he'd even need to make a cut. It's nuts. Even with that win, our Minnesota Vikings are now 6-7, and seven, and they're gunning for the 7th seed. Okay? The playoffs are now set up as such. I'm going to pull up the playoff standings. In the NFC, it goes Cardinals 1, Packers 2, Buccaneers 3, Cowboys 4, Rams 5, Washington football team 6, and San Francisco 49ers are 7. Vikings are 8th on the outside looking in. They'd be the first team out. If you talk about it from a college football tournament perspective or college basketball tournament perspective. They're gunning for the seventh seed. And honestly, the Vikings could very well get the seventh seed. I haven't looked at the playoff probabilities, but San Fran is in Cincy this weekend. I really like Joe Burrow and company. I would bet on them to win. Washington football team is hosting Dallas. They're home four and a half point dogs. I don't know if I don't know if Dallas is gonna win, but there's a good chance that Washington football team and San Fran both lose this weekend. Those are the two teams directly in front of Minnesota in the standings. Minnesota could easily sneak in as the seventh seed. Absolutely 100%. It could happen. But even if they do, this season shouldn't be considered a success at all. Like, go back to 2017. 
This team comes off making an NFC championship game, and you're thinking, wow, the defense is set up great. Offense and weapons and wide receivers set up great. This is before they even had Dalvin Cook, right? So we're talking about Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. They got weapons. They got great players all over the field. They need a quarterback. So they bring in Kirk, and the idea is, the logic is, that Kirk is going to be the last piece on a contending team, and he's going to put the Vikings over the top. That was the process. It was a bad process. It was bad logic, but it was the logic. Now, years later, we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to remember that. Kirk Cousins wasn't brought in so the Vikings could sneak in as the seventh seed and lose in the first round, except for that one year they beat the Saints, right? He was brought in to take them to the top level, to put them in the club with the Packers, and now the Buccaneers and the Rams. And instead, they're fighting it out with the six and seven Eagles, who were quarterbacked by some combination of Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew, or the Panthers, who were five and seven, and they're an absolute mess, or the Washington football team, who employed Taylor Heineke as the quarterback, and I'm pretty sure Taylor Heineke at one point was on the Vikings, wasn't he? I never knew about him until, like, last year, and that's my bad. I had no bearing on who he was and where he was. These are the teams that the Vikings are now compared to, and that was never the idea, ever, when Kirk Cousins was brought in. And now, years later, we've adjusted our expectations. Whoa, you're getting in the playoffs as a seven seed. Yeah, you know what? So did the Bears last year. The Bears got in as the seventh seed with Mitch Trubisky. And you know what? The Bears said, that ain't, no, that ain't it. That ain't it. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're doing here. I I know we made the playoffs, but who cares? We're going to get rid of Mitch Trubisky. We're going to push some chips into the middle of the table, trade up, get Justin Fields. We're going to move things around, right? This is why the seventh seed is a bad thing. And we talked about this, I think, on Monday. is because teams can say, we made it in. We got in the dance. Maybe Taylor Heineke is the guy. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy. Maybe Mitch Trubisky is the guy. Maybe Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman is a combo will work. No, no, they won't. No, 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 no. The seventh seed is not the measuring stick of success, especially for the Vikings. Now, if the Eagles are able to sneak in with Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew, and they're on the way up, and they got a, they got two extra picks in the first round, one from Miami, one from Indy. They're in a great spot. The Vikings are getting older. They're getting more expensive. And they're being hit by entropy. Their roster is decaying and getting more expensive. The Eagles are on the way up. The Niners, I still think in a weird way, are on the way up. The football team on the way up. The Panthers, actually, I don't know, leave them out. The Vikings are a team that's supposed to be at the top. They supposedly arrived in 2017. So, yeah, that's nice last night. And the Vikings in the first half looked like a dangerous team that could literally beat anyone, anywhere, anytime, even in the playoffs. But that isn't their consistent self that's not who they are and last night it would be easy to say well look at how the team responded after the loss to the lions and they showed up and played for mike zimmer yeah okay they're six and seven you know i'm not taking away from what they did last night dalvin cook is tough and him showing up and playing through that injury that's impressive and justin jefferson is a star and harrison smith was everywhere on defense but hasn't that been the case the last couple of years when we talked about mike zimmer on monday and whether or not The Vikings should move on or keep him around. Look, I'm not going to say that anyone should be fired. It's kind of an awkward conversation. But Vikings fans, what's changed since 2017? Nothing. It's kind of the same story. And what's going to change moving forward? Probably nothing. It's probably going to be the same story. They'll swap Patrick Peterson from some other journey corner. They'll bring in some other rotational Michael Pierce, Sheldon Richardson, Dalvin Tomlinson type. And on and on it goes, right? 
you just reshuffle the deck and try again. And if you sneak in as the seven seed, you're lucky. And if you stay healthy, you're lucky. It was supposed to be better than this. And it's not. And I don't think it's going to change. Kirk Cousins, I don't think, is used fully by the Vikings. And also, he's not good enough for the Vikings. And Mike Zimmer fits with Kirk Cousins, but he also doesn't. Rick Spielman's made it work, but he also hasn't. Look, I don't know. It's a mess. And that's probably a good sign that it's just time to move on. See other people. Meet other people. It's a big world. Lots of coaches, lots of GMs, lots of quarterbacks, right? Vikings probably need to shake it up and do something else. doesn't mean they need to tear it down to the studs, but they probably need to do something else. And I don't know if that, I don't know if last night got us off of that premise. I, I think that remains the case. And it's been the case really since the Cooper Rush game, since the Lions game. Last night, the result was different, but the, the takeaway shouldn't be. I guess that's my Vikings take for the day. Let's hear a little bit from Mike Zimmer coming up next. We'll get to the Badgers hoops, Johnny Davis, and some more takes I have about the Badgers. That'll be coming up at 435. Stick around. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Friday. My name is Grant Bills. Happy that you're here. We're talking Vikings for a couple of minutes because last night's game was... <laughs> I don't even know. Vikings fans, what is there to say? What, how do you handle this? How are you still alive and well? And how haven't you quit sports and quit the Vikings? This team is... God. And the Steelers aren't without fault here. Obviously, they were the team that fell behind 29 to nothing. I got a text here and I apologize. I forgot to mention this. Who texted? Oh, I don't have your name. You got to get back to me with your name. This text says, how about Chase Claypool celebrating and ruining that drive? Yeah, if you missed it, say you went to bed earlier, you just weren't watching last night. The Steelers are driving and the clock is running and they have no timeouts and they're hurrying. And on fourth down, Chase Claypool catches a contested ball over the middle, like three yards down the field maybe. Gets tackled and the clock is running and he gets up and he starts celebrating. Tick, 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 tick. What an idiot. What an absolute idiot. And that was after, in the first half, Mike Tomlin benched him because of a penalty. Listen to this. I saved the cut. It looked like, did you bench Chase Claypool for a while? Uh, I did. Is that because of the penalty? Yes. I love how matter-of-fact Mike Tomlin is. Did you uh, bench Chase Claypool? I did. Oh, was that have anything to do with the penalty? Yes, it did. <laughs> Mike in downtown Madison. Mike, I loved last night's game. I know it really doesn't have anything to do with any of our teams, but... This is a fun topic. What's going on? Welcome to the show. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. It finally started snowing, so I'm happy. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's snowing up there. It's raining here in Madison. So I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for some snow on the Dells, though, because I'd like to uh, ski a little bit. Yeah, I, I. that doesn't even seem like a possibility. I haven't even considered that yet. And I like to downhill ski, and it hasn't even been on my radar because it's barely gotten below 25, but once or twice so far. I know, man. We need some more snow for sure. Um, yeah, that was actually, that was me who texted in about Claypool. I need to put my handle on there. Oh, I got um, you. Saved. But, yeah, man, I was so astonished by that play um, because he, like, you know, celebrated his little first down dance mm -hmm. and then tried to pass the, or the offensive lineman tried to come up and grab the ball, and the ball actually, like, sputtered out, went all the way over to the uh, numbers, and then they had to throw it back in to the uh, line judge there and it was just a it was atrocious man i it mean was. 
if, if I swear, if someone on my, you know, on the Packers did that and it cost us what seems like possibly a game, I would just be like, dude, that don't play him. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, Claypool's had, you know, a couple things in the news lately about him, you know, wanting different music at practice or music at practice and Tomlin, you know, shut that down um, pretty quick. But, um, yeah, he's just – it seems like he – I think that the Steelers obviously develop wide receivers. Uh, no one can even argue it. They develop wide receivers better than any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. But they also develop divas yeah. better than any other team in the league. And I think that the, there has to be that line. I think Tomlin's system sometimes, even though he's very direct, he's very to the point, it's a little soft on the players. It's a little Pete Carroll, like, hey, I want to be your buddy kind loose. of thing. Yeah, loose. Uh, it's it's loose. It's loose. And I think that, you know, like no one on the Patriots would have ever done that. No. Think about that. No. No. Um, and if they did, they would be cut. Like that way. I mean, I don't even think, I don't even think Bill would put up with it. So, yeah, man. I mean, I I just thought it was really interesting game, and it does affect my second favorite team. Um, yeah, I was actually hoping for the Vikings to win. It, it affects the Colts um, on my second favorite team, uh-huh. um, just because the Steelers and are in that playoff hunt, and it'll push them further up in that top. So. I'm not scared of the Steelers. They're just, they're the Steelers. You know, like, I know what we're getting with Big Ben. He's worn down. They can't really run the ball. They're not good on either line. But yet, they're the Steelers. And that just makes me think they're going to hang around and probably sneak into the playoffs. Like, of all the AFC teams to bet on, let's see, like, who's right outside. Like, between Indy and the Raiders and the Steelers and the Browns, oh, give me the Steelers. Just based on pedigree, right? I just see that logo. I'm like, well, they'll, they'll do their best. They'll probably get it. Yeah. The thing is, too, uh, you know, about Ben, I was ridiculously impressed by Ben uh, actually last night because he is dwindling. Um, And the way he hung in there, I mean, they were shooting non-block defensive players all night through their offensive line. Um, And then their defensive line, I think at one point uh, Troy Aikman said that he sees 10-yard gaps um, in Mm -hmm. their offensive line, and that's true. It was insane uh, the way that Cook was able to run that ball. So, anyways, I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, but just a few points on that game. It was it was fun to watch. Always fun to watch uh, the Vikings because you never know what you're going to get. So, oh, it's so um, fun. have a good one, man. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, you as well. That's Mike in downtown Madison. I love the Vikings. God, I love the Vikings. They're so much fun. Not to be a fan of, and I don't mean to be like I'm not trying to poke fun and make fun of Vikings fans here. Um, but, God, for an entertainment standpoint, there's just a goldmine. Yeah, Chase Claypool was being a bozo, and it wasn't the only dumb thing he did in that game. What is it with Pittsburgh wide receivers? They want to make TikToks. They want to do Facebook Live in the locker room. It's just it's bizarre. It's really odd. Ben Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter was really impressive, and that's been the case really for the last couple of weeks. I found this stat last night. Ben Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter since week 11. Completion percentage of 70. 550 passing yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 133. And he's led comebacks in a couple of the games. I don't What the hell? Like, Big Ben in the first quarter, he looks dead. Maybe he just needs to take a couple of hits, get a little warm, warmed up like Brett Favre, and then he'll turn it on in the fourth quarter. I don't know. I saved a couple of cuts for Mike Zimmer from last night. This is what he said when he sat down, and it made me laugh. Okay, another fun night. <laughs> um... 
You know, uh, that team that played in the first half for us was pretty darn good, and I pro think could probably beat anybody. The team that played in the second half um, probably could get beat by anybody. So, um, you know, there was a lot of really, really good things in the first half. We ran the ball. I thought Cook was outstanding. Our offensive line opened up a lot of holes defensively. You know, we were getting after the quarterback and playing good in coverage. And then the second half, you know, we, you know, we were up by. 26 or something or 29 we throw an interception on the first play of the drive we, we get uh, two I think we get two turnovers and the uh, start of this or we end up kicking two field goals to start of the second half which you know we got the ball down in there and we probably could have put them away you know we fought like crazy like we always do uh, the crowd was outstanding tonight I know Pittsburgh travels really well with their fans um, but um and we kept the TV ratings up, too, so that's good. Every Thank week you, now we do it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You're right. Darn right you did. God, I love the Vikings. Hey, Packers fans and fans of other teams, don't lie. You watched the Vikings in the first half and thought, oh, man, that team team looks nasty. Like in 2017 when the Vikings were really good, when they ran the hell out of the ball and the wide receivers looked like superstars and the defense flew around and they beat up the quarterbacks and it was physical. That's what we saw in the first half. And then... Not in the second half. A tale of two halves, as Mike Zimmer said in his presser. Chad is in Sun Prairie. Chad, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, actually, I'm downtown Madison, oh. right next to your other life. Oh, you and Mike both. <laughs> what's it like in downtown tonight? Is it popping? No, it's raining. Is it oh. snowing up in Lacrosse? Yeah, last time I checked, we're finally starting to get some snow. I'm excited. That's like fleeting rain here. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Mm hmm. Um, but anyways, you know, Mike, Mike Zimmer coached teams as of late, like they used to scare me kind of because he was, he had defenses that really gave the Packers fits. Oh yeah. But now he's kind of, he's kind of turning into Mike McCarthy where I don't think anybody's really afraid of him. <laughs> Cause oh, it's, it, it seems to be, I, I just, I don't understand it. You know, you, you know, the feeling of Mike, like you watched Mike coach for how long mm -hmm. and you always felt like the pack would jump out to a big lead and then they would squander something and there would be a questionable play that seemed like everybody was a little bit undercoached and everybody's right back at the game and a play away from winning. How many times did it happen to the Packers under mm. McCarthy's watch? This is an interesting point. This is an interesting comparison. Zimmer and Mike McCarthy. Okay, I can think about this. Yeah, yeah, tell, tell me more. Yeah, give me more on this. I like this. Well, you know, one, defensive-minded guru, offensive-minded guru. Yeah. It's funny how it works that the, you know, the, the Vikings' offense right now looks significantly better than their defense most yep. of the time because they have some studs. I mean, I, I think it's, it's no secret the Packers tried to get Jefferson. That, that's, I think, an open secret, right? And yeah. there's their talent there. There is phenomenal talent there. Cook looked like a world beater, and who knows what Tomlin was doing trying to play defense against those guys. Like they said, you could drive an armored truck through the hole. Yeah. I think at one point well, last I, I night, mean, Dalvin Cook had like 8.2 yards before contact, which is unbelievable. That's insane. Like, I, I, that's college numbers. Yeah. That's uh, NCAA college football numbers. Yeah. Melvin not, Gordon versus not. Nebraska type thing. The snowflakes touched him more. Yeah, it. I think so, too. All right, Chad, i got to let you go. Thanks for the call. Have a good weekend. You're welcome. You, too. Yeah, Chad, who is in downtown Madison.
him and Mike are probably getting together. Don't call in tonight if you're not willing to small talk about the weather before we talk shop and get into sports. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chad. Zimmer and McCarthy. Hmm. This is interesting. I could chew on this. I could. This is a take that I could. All right. I think about this. One thing to, to respond to what you said, Chad, about Packers jumping out to a lead and then it would go south. I think we remember McCarthy how we want to remember McCarthy. I don't know that that happened a whole lot. There's certainly a couple of examples where they got a lead and then, you know, obviously we think of the NFC Championship game. And, and there are bad examples. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's certainly the worst. I think we remember McCarthy how we want to remember him. Think about Zimmer. He's been there for seven, eight years now. He got there in 2014. I don't think we remember how long he's been there. And I think with some coaches, if they're around long enough, if you see him enough times, you get to know him. And that intimidation, that fear kind of goes away. And maybe that happened with McCarthy and maybe that's happening with Zimmer. I think it's more personnel related, but it's really hard to staff a defense with an expensive quarterback and defense is just unpredictable. So I think a lot of it's personnel, but maybe, maybe there's some fatigue and we're just used to Zimmer and some of that edge and intimidation has gone away. Steve is in lacrosse. Steve, hello. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Hey, how's it going? I'm Quite the swell. weather we got today. Yeah, isn't it great? Isn't the weather great? I love the weather today. It, it is football weather through and through. <laughs> yes, yes. What's going on? Um, a couple things about the game last night. Number mm-hmm. one, if Minnesota was playing any other team besides the Steelers or the Lions or the Texans, they would have probably lost that game in the second half. Yeah. And number, and number two, what was with the Minnesota cornerback? doing the personal follow of taunting. Like, you, everybody knows the rules. Follow the rules. Come on, man. Yeah. You're just hurting your team. Get with the program. Figure it out. Type of the, I hate the taunting yeah. rules, but I think it's been made pretty clear. Maybe in the first quarter, if the game's not close, you have a little fun. But in the fourth quarter on those drives, and it's the same with uh, roughing the passer. And I don't know if you saw this last night, Steve, but when the Steelers were getting a couple of those stops against the Vikings and trying to come back, they had some shots at Kirk Cousins and pulled up on third down, and they're like, nope, nope, I'm not extending this drive with the roughing the passer. I'm not going to give them that. And I do give Pittsburgh a lot of credit for that. I saw that, and I, I literally went, that is smart coaching. Yes. That's what that was. I was watching with a buddy, and we were trying to be, you know, obnoxious football guys. We'd had a couple of drinks, and we're going, that's a great rep. That's a smart football play right there. But like, I'm, I'm joking, but also I'm not. Because those are the things you need to be aware of. You mentioned taunting, but also roughing the passer. If you're not going to get a sack, pull up. Don't even give the ref an opportunity to make that choice. And I saw that with Pittsburgh's pass rushers a couple of times. It, it was it was like that uh, pass interference or the roughing, the, what was that in the end zone on Minnesota last night? Yes. On, uh, was that uh, unnecessary roughness? Something like that, yeah. On that, yeah. Well, you know, you heard Troy talking about how he didn't think it was the right call. Well, the guy left his feet, and you can't leave your feet to to make a hit. Yeah. So I completely understand that, but the refs are going to call what they're supposed to call and what they think they should call. So don't give them the opportunity to throw the play. I will give them credit. All do is- yeah, yeah, Steve, before I let you go, and maybe you noticed this too, when Pitt, when Minnesota had the ball for the last time with like three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, there was that third down play, and they threw an out route, and the ball was just a little bit too far, and they threw a flag like it was going to be pass interference, and they picked it up. I've never been more excited for a flag that was picked up because I was going to be so ticked that the refs would have, were about to give Minnesota that ticky-tack first down and take away an opportunity for us to watch Pittsburgh come back. I love that they picked up that flag. Yes, yes, 100% agree. 
Now, I thought that officiating crew wasn't too bad last night, but, you know, sometimes you get a good rest, sometimes you get a bad zebra. Yeah, sometimes that's how it goes. Steve, I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Have a good weekend. You too. Enjoy the weather. Yeah, you as thank you. Let's keep it. Let's let's talk shop tonight. I know we're talking Vikings. We're about to get into the Badgers next, but let's not get away from what's important. And that's the fact that it's snowing. And that's awesome. So don't call in if you don't want to small talk about the weather. And I don't want to hear the same thing. Like, next caller, bring up your snowblower. Talk about how you get a new shovel. Like, we need to keep it fresh. Weather discussion, small talk, but it needs to be unique for every caller. So don't call in if you don't have something to say about the weather. Let's take a break. Get into Badgers football coming up next. Or, uh, excuse me, Badgers basketball coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Trying to teach these guys how to finish. We talk about it all the time, being detailed about your job, being detailed. And I did, do think there was some, especially in the first half, guys were detailed about everything. They played with a lot of energy. Um, you know, I guess we haven't really been in a game where we've been up by so much. And, uh, you know, I was still trying to be aggressive with, with everything really that we were doing. And we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't execute as well. Mike Zimmer trying to teach the boys how to finish. Interesting. I don't, I mean, I've never coached football. Shocker. I'm also not a doctor or a lawyer. Let's get that out of the way with. How can a team look so different from the first half to the next? It's insane. And it would be even more insane if that was the only time we've seen it from the Vikings. But you know what? It's not. It's happened a couple of times this year. I don't get this team. I don't know that I ever will, but they're really fun to talk about, especially because I'm not emotionally invested. My apologize to uh, to Vikings fans that actually emotionally are locked into this roller coaster. 608-796-2558. Bob Stock says the Vikings almost blew the game. Steelers had the immaculate reception with Franco Harris back in the day, and now they have the irresponsible idiot receiver. What was he thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I have no clue what Chase Claypool was thinking. He was talking about it after the game, like, well, the ref still had to come to me. I knew I was on the hash. It's, it's like, would you, would you stop? Dude, you celebrated with running clock. Like, uh, no, you don't get to explain that away. Just, I was dumb. I'm sorry. I, I pretend like you're married. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'll be better. And move along. All right. Chase Claypool. Firefighter Greg says, Grant, do you sweat the I own you comments before this upcoming game with the Bears? Uh, I might sweat it with any other team. Maybe the Packers lose this weekend, but I'd be amazed. Now, I would spend the next hour and a half or the next hour and 15 minutes of the show saying, Packers are going to blow out the Bears. This is a joke. It's going to be a party at Lambeau, Sunday night football, just like every other Packers-Bears game on primetime for the last 10 years. It probably will be that, but I'm not going to hammer that point home too much just because literally anything can happen in the NFL. The Vikings lost to the Lions last Sunday. So weirder things have happened. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I think, realized that when he talked about that this last week, he's like, yeah, at some point, those comments are going to be used against me. That's the way that it works. That's just, that's how it is. If you want to talk trash, even if you beat the Bears, you know, 30 times, the one time you lose, you know, those comments are going to come back to bite you. So, no, I don't sweat it. I'm not the one who said it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is sweating it either. Um, but he's certainly the one who started this whole story. Rainman Mike says, so refreshing to listen to a show that talks about the snow. <laughs> really? He says, he says, I don't have a take right now, so I just wanted to let you know that I'm listening while plowing these, what? Oh, oh what? 
I, Rayman Mike, you might need to clarify. I don't know if you voiced a text here or what. He says, just know I'm listening while plowing these pennies from heaven up in the Eau Claire area. Wish your show was longer. What is, what's pennies from heaven? That's a song, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. You, you might have to explain that, but you, damn right. It's about time to talk about the weather. I said, and I tweeted this out at Wisco Grant. Don't call the show today if you're not willing to small talk about the weather for 30 seconds before we get down to brass tacks and talk about sports. I think there are, I do want to get to Badgers basketball. I think there's some interesting parallels between the Vikings and Badgers basketball. Well, maybe not parallels, but hear me out. We've been talking about the Vikings. Vikings are super talented, great weapons. They need better, younger corners. They need to get healthier and younger up front, but but they have more talent than most, better talent than most. I think a good majority of offensive coordinators in the league would take the Vikings personnel. And talent isn't everything. Scheme isn't everything. Coaching isn't everything. I think person personality matters, too. I think teams have personalities, and I think they're important because if the personality doesn't match with the coaches or the scheme or the talent, it, it, it starts to get out of whack. And you see a team like the Vikings, where you're like, wait, why isn't this team better? Why isn't this team as good as they should be? Well, there's a lot of factors that go past scheme, talent, personnel. Personality matters, and I think every team has a different personality. Like the Steelers um, are a little bit disorganized. We've been talking about Chase Claypool. The Vikings have an interesting personality. Um, I was reading a piece by Judd Zolgad, who's at Score North in the cities, and he wrote this in his write-up last night. Teams that play close games like the Vikings have all season are often known as resilient and hardworking. Not these Vikings. This team isn't lovable. It isn't even likable. But for the most part, this Vikings team seems to delight in having made this season as joyless as possible. Each game feels like a trip to the dentist's office. Twice the Vikings have recovered from being two games under 500 to pull even, and each time they have lost the next two. Minnesota will try to make it a hat trick from Monday night when it plays the Chicago Bears. The past two games have provided even more confirmation that changes in the front office are necessary. Trying to win football games shouldn't be akin to pulling teeth, but somehow the 2021 Vikings have made this the case. That's funny. First of all, might be a little bit strong. Um, that's the sound of a Vikings fan that had enough, but he almost talks about the personality of this team. They know when to turn it on and they can turn it on, but it's not always turned on and they're not always the best version of themselves and they don't always finish games. As Mike Zimmer said, played a little clip of his voice to start this segment. I want to use the Steelers and the Vikings and their personalities as examples to jump into the Badgers because normally when I watch games, I look for a play or scheme or a player, and then I come here and I talk about that. That's the story, right? Wow, Marquez Valdez-Scantling really was the difference in that game, and he's the reason why they won. Well, with Wisconsin basketball, Johnny Davis is that guy. He's always been that guy. That's not a revelation. And there are things to talk about with this team, like the defense and the free throws and little things here and there. But I think through, what, 10 games? The big story with this team is this team's personality, the way they play. And you can almost feel it when you watch. This team plays a little irrationally. I, I think they think they're way better than they are. And there's something to be said for coming into a season with very low expectations. Because when you have a blank canvas and nobody expects anything, well, then you can kind of have fun painting the picture, right? This team thinks they're way better than they are, and that shapes how they play. I know it's cliche to say a team doesn't quit, and they never go away. With this team, it's true, and that's what Greg Gard said after the game against, what was it, Indiana? That was Tuesday night. I'm getting Marquette and Indiana confused. That was two, Wednesday night. That was Wednesday night. This is what Greg Gard said after the game. It was. 
these kids in these uniforms don't quit. They just keep battling and battling and battling. Um, I just, I'm so proud of them because there's just no, there's absolutely no quit in them. As bad as we were in the first half, said we, I didn't know that team at halftime. Said, I don't know who you guys are, but I want the team back that I've seen the previous eight games. Greg Gard, that's what he, don't quit, never quits. They always have energy. They could have let go of the rope a couple of times on Wednesday night. And they just didn't. And then when Indiana faltered down the line, they were there to take advantage. There's an alternate universe where this team looks very different, right? Where the game is a little too fast for this team and the lights are a little too bright and they could be a little dazed and confused. A lot of youth, not a lot of experience. There's a world in which Steven Crowell gets pushed around and Tyler Wall forces bad shots and can't get it done. And yet at the end of that St. Mary's game, I'll never forget Tyler Wall is playing so loose and with so much confidence that he takes a Hakeem-style fadeaway that he probably only makes one or two times out of ten, but he drained it, and that's what mattered, right? And with the Badgers, I'm almost amped just to watch them win or lose. And I know they haven't lost a whole lot, so it's easy for me to say, but they're just exciting, and this team plays like they're contenders, even if they're not. It's a little like, I was thinking about this earlier today, it's a little like axe throwing. I went axe throwing last weekend. You ever been? I'm sure there's places in Eau Claire and Madison that have this. There's a spot on 4th Street in downtown Lacrosse where you can go throw axes. Even if I suck at throwing axes, which I do, still get to go and drink really strong beer, and you get to fling axes around, try to stick them in a hunk of wood. That's fun. That's a win-win. If I suck at it, okay. If the Badgers lose, okay. I was prepared for them to lose on Wednesday after the first half, but... It's a joy to just watch this team fight and figure it out and just exude confidence, even if it's a little irrational. Uh, thank you to some texters, by the way. Mike, you clarified, as this texter did and as Jamie at Ken's Barbershop did, I see pennies from heaven. He's talking about making money. The more it snows, the more money he makes. I see. Like manna from heaven. It's the same kind of thing. I'm sorry, Mike. Normally, I'm pretty good on expressions. That one went over my head, and I apologize. And thank you to our uh, many producers. This show has many producers. I always said, because we don't have a producer in studio, but we have many who clarify things and send me stats and correct me on things. Thank you, everyone. I see pennies from heaven. Mike, I appreciate you listening when you're plowing snow. Make lots of money. Should have opportunities to do that throughout tonight and into tomorrow. Let's take a break. We'll keep talking about Badger Soups coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. It's the Packers and the Bears. Sunday night here at Lambeau Field, kickoff 720. The Packers will be without wide receiver Randall Cobb. Matt LaFleur. Yeah, Cobby's going to be out for a while. He had a pretty significant injury. The 31-year-old Cobb underwent surgery for a core muscle injury, suffered in the Packers' win over the Rams. LaFleur says it's a big loss for the offense. That's unfortunate because I thought he has done such an amazing job. When given the opportunity, we were talking about just his targets on third down alone. He was 8 of 10 when he got targeted of converting first down. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We've had guys go down in our room at every one of them has been down at some point. We've all had to step up and play, you know, so it's not a a difference. You know, I've missed some time. Allen has missed some time. Devontae has missed time. EQ's missed time. So everybody who's playing right now has missed time, and we've been pretty good at it. So next man up mentality, and that's kind of how we approach it. At 9-3, Green Bay playing for the number one seed in the NFC. At 4-8, Chicago head coach Matt Nagy unmotivating his players. It's, It's very easy 
when you're not winning or you have a 4-8 record, you can sometimes lose focus and forget that um, we're very fortunate in the roles we're in and to, to have fun. And sometimes when you cut it loose and just have fun, good things can happen and you don't play tight and you know worrisome and all that. So, you know, working through that and, and being able to uh, everybody do that together, I think is important in times like this. Best Packers coverage. That reporting from Mike Clements. He will join us next on Tuesday to recap Packers Bears. We'll hear from some coaches and players. A reminder, because uh, I think I only said this to start the show, Seth Partnow is going to be with us at 5.30. Used to be in the Bucks front office. Really smart basketball mind. From the numbers side of things, I wouldn't call, well, I guess I would. Anytime you call someone an analytics person, it's like it's a negative thing. You know what I mean? We got some numbers nerd coming up at 5.30. But he worked in the front office. He was responsible for some of the personnel moves that shaped the Bucks championship run and, and these playoff runs the last couple of years. So he can speak to that. He's also got a new book out called The Midrange Theory. And this is what I've learned over the years. Is even people who don't like doing radio hits, which Seth was with us this summer. So Seth has been willing to come on the show before. But anytime someone's putting a book out, you just send him a message. Hey, can you come on the show? You're more than... More than welcome to promote your book. Absolutely, yes, I'll come on. And it's an awesome book, and it should be promoted. Uh, It's called The Mid-Range Theory. Like I said, basketball's evolution in the age of analytics. And what I like about this book is it actually goes to dispel a lot of misconceptions of analytics. So he talks about processes and um, ideas that are used to build rosters and to evaluate players. But he also, in this book, outlines in detail what analytics aren't and what people have wrong. Which is really important because as more numbers and more statistics and data tracking and things are going into sports and the way we evaluate players, we also need to know what doesn't work and what isn't a good thing and what the misconceptions are. So we'll talk about all that with Seth at 530 and Bucks as well. I have a couple theories of my own that I want to bounce off and maybe he can use them for his next book. I'll tell him more than welcome. Just give me a credit. I'll write a little foreword or something and and we'll call it even. I want to get back into football. Talk Vikings and Packers and Bears coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. We're working on getting connected with Seth, Seth Partnow, our next guest. He's been on the show once before, and I don't remember what it was. It was earlier this summer. It was at some point during the Bucks playoff run because I wanted to get as many Bucks guests as possible, right? So he's worked in the Bucks front office. He's an excellent writer for The Athletic, good podcaster, and author of the new book, The Midrange Theory, Basketball's Evolution in the Age of Analytics. I don't read a ton. But this is what I wanted to get, and I read, so I'm not blowing smoke up your butt. It's very good. It's really interesting, and I learned a lot. Now we're lucky enough to talk to the man, Seth Partnow. Seth, welcome back to the show. How have you been? Um, been well. Uh, it's been pretty fun seeing the, the reactions of the book so far. What's Is it more work writing a book or promoting the book after the fact? Is there a part that you, that you enjoyed more? <laughs> Um, it was definitely more work writing the book. Uh, it's been surprising how much work promoting the book is. So I thought I was done. And yeah. The last month has been 
sort of, hey, everyone, look at this. This thing I did. I barely remember what I said, but I promise it's good. No, well, that's funny. And that's what I hear about sometimes musical artists, right? They come out with an album, and then a year later when it comes time to tour, like mentally and artistically, they've already moved on. They're working on other things, and they have to almost like reach back and remember, oh, yeah, I wrote this song about this, and I need to put myself back in that headspace. Um, I'll ask you, is there a specific reason... I'm sure you get this question a lot. So if there's not an interesting answer, you can just kind of breeze past it. But was there a reason that you wanted to write this book? How did it start? And then I'm also curious, what was the process like? And and how did you go about deciding what goes in the book and what didn't go in the book? Because that had to be tough. Sure. So uh, kind of when I came back to the public space, like I had it in my mind that maybe I would write a book someday. And I was kind of kicking over ideas in my mind, but didn't really have anything put together. And then the the publisher, um, the, the, at the All-Star break, uh, 2020, uh, Triumph Books called me up and said, hey, do you want to write a book? And I was like, <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, so then it was, so then there was, uh, I, I, then I sort of had to come up with a topic and, and talking with the folks there, um, you know, some of them had been reading me for, for a long time from even before I worked for the Bucks. And it was like, hey, you know, there's, there's 20 of us who read you before. Um, and you're very familiar with all that stuff and have written about it, but you know, that's not, hasn't been brought really to a wide audience yet. So, um, you know, update it, flesh it out. Um, it, 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 I'm glad you used your, uh, the, the musician art, or the, uh, analogy because, you know, it's like the first album is like a lifetime of work goes into it. Mm -hmm. And that, that felt a little bit like this It's sort of the sum of a lot of the, the research on basketball I've done over the years. Yeah, well, it's cool because it talks about basketball analytics, but why I enjoyed this book is you also talk about what analytics aren't and some of the misconceptions, and I think that's really important, and I realized it watching football, right, because a a team will make a decision, they'll go for it or they'll kick a field goal, and you'll always hear an announcer go, well, I, I don't know what the analytics say. It's like, well, analytics isn't always the basis for everything, right, but we assume, right, if we don't like something, it's because it's about the numbers, and I like that you wrote about misconceptions and and things that often people get wrong. I want to ask you about something towards the beginning of the book. You talk about when you were with the Bucks and you acquire Brooke Lopez and you didn't expect Brooke Lopez to be everything that he turned out to be. But in the front office, you made some projections and you thought, okay, we think he can be this. And we think these numbers tell us this for those who haven't read the book. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because that might've been my favorite part. Sure. So, um, we knew going into that season, this was the, the, the 2018-19 season, uh, Mike Budenholzer's first year's coach. We knew we probably needed an upgrade at center, and we were looking around, and, and, and Brooke was a guy we targeted because, uh, first of all, there was this, this uh, sort of weird thing that happens that when a player is sort of overpaid, they become even a worse player in, in the public's mind. Uh, so it's it, – it's, uh, we saw that with Andrew Wiggins a lot, I think, that he was just like, because he's getting paid as a max player, not playing like one, he was a bad player, but now he's playing pretty well for Golden State. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy was pretty good. Um, so that the, sort of the end of his previous contract, uh, Brooke was sort of more known for that. So we knew he'd be a little underrated and we could probably fit him into a salary exception. But at, as in terms of his fit with the team, I mean, on the offensive end, he'd started shooting three, so that was obvious. Mm-hmm. We thought he would be solid for us defensively. Um, he had he had a not great reputation defensively, but that was a lot because he was being asked to do things that weren't awesome for him. You know, the 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 style of defense for much of his career was to have you know big men chasing point guards all the way out to half court. And Brooke is many things, 
but he's, you know, <laughs> seven one, two hundred and eighty pounds, and yeah. that's a, just, you know, there's laws of physics almost <laughs> yeah. make it a bad idea. Uh, but when he was around the rim, he was uh, one of the elite players in the league at um, holding down opponent field goal percentage, and that's that's one of the things that we could start to see directly now with uh, the player tracking data that's been around for for now the last eight or so seasons. Uh, so we knew that about him. Uh, another criticism about him was that he was he was not a good rebounder and he didn't grab many rebounds. But when you looked, when you dug in, you saw that when he was on the floor, his team was always excellent at defensive rebounding. So it wasn't even if he wasn't the one grabbing the rebounds, he was almost you know almost operating as like a pulling guard to, to clear everyone else out of the lane for someone else in the team to come grab the rebound. Um, now, did we know he was going to become an all-defense-level player who, you know, anchored the best defense in the league for the next couple of years? No, I, I mean, he wouldn't have been available for, you know, yeah. the relatively small amount we got him if anyone had thought that. So we got lucky on that end, but we were we were right to think that, that he had these skills that in a different environment would translate into a very, very useful player for us. It's cool hearing about the process of decisions like that. And something that I say on the show a lot, and, and we talked about this during the Bucks playoff run, it's like, hey, good process is more important than good results, right? Don't let the results dictate whether or not the process is good. Like those two first games against Phoenix, I kept saying, well, like Phoenix might just be that good and they might beat us, but I mean, they're defending these shots. They're getting good shots. The results just need to change. And ultimately they did and they won the title. Um, and I think that's around the neighborhood of, the other time that you joined the show a few months ago. We're speaking with Seth Partnow of The Athletic. You should get his new book, The Midrange Theory. It's a great Christmas gift. Um, I got it for myself, and then I'm going to gift it along. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay it forward now to a buddy. Um, I thought of Devondre Campbell, who's playing linebacker for the Packers. When you wrote about Brooke Lopez, and you said, okay, we saw this and that, and we thought it might translate in this and that way. And Devondre Campbell, bargain bin guy, journeyman, cheap, but what he has done once placed in this Packers defense has been a revelation. This Packers defense has been amazing with him, and he's one of the most valuable players in the league at some metrics. You look at wins over replacement and stuff like that. Is that how most acquisitions go in front offices? You think, okay, we're going to be cheap, but we think this guy can work. Is that a majority of decisions that are made by general managers in front offices across multiple sports, do you think? I think it's. Un I don't think it's as well understood how important fit is for basketball players. I think it's pretty well understood, you know, in many cases for football. It's like, okay, this guy's a, you know, a 4-3 a defensive end. We play a 3-4. Mm -hmm. That's not, not a guy for us. Like, that's, you know, that, that's, that's pretty well understood. I think for – the way I like to put it is, like, the, the 200 or so best players in the world are pretty much, you know, the 200 best guys. Mm -hmm. the, the next, there's about 450 spots in the NBA – the next 250 spots, there's about 700 guys, give or take, around the world that can fill those spots. And, you know, the ones that are successful are the ones that land where there's the right role for them, where their skills uh, and, you know, skills, personality, age, where they are in their career in terms of what role they'll accept or what they'll try to do or how they'll accept coaching or, or things of that nature – all those things work together, and, and then it becomes sort of the ones that have the best fit that way are the ones that, that are successful, um, even though they may be equally or even slightly less talented than a guy who is in the G League or playing over in Europe. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I think, I think in front offices, you're always trying to find that guy. Um, 
the hard part is really defining what those things are, what the fit is, is, is where uh, both, you know, from traditional scouting and kind of metrics based analytic scouting, it's much more an art than a science. Um, you know, the Brook example was a pretty clear one because we had a, a pretty good idea of how we wanted to play and, and, you know, how he would be used. And especially defensively, like the center position is kind of easier to, to, to analyze than, sure. than a lot of spots. But that's but there are are you try to find those edges everywhere. Sure. Sure. Okay. I want to ask you about a Bucks player. I want to ask you about Pat Connaughton. He is very interesting, and I have a theory with Pat that I want to ask you about next. So, but uh, if I ahead. can if I can interrupt you, yeah. actually, that's that, that's a perfect example because I um there the the um it's it's you know it's long enough now that I hope I'm not giving anything away. But you know that was kind of. <laughs> When you get sort of towards later in free agency, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like okay, we 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 know we want this spot to be a guard. There's these ten guys who are you know slightly different players, but roughly a similar level. One of them is going to be available to us in, in a way that we can acquire. Mm-hmm. So let's not go crazy and overpay for any one of them. Let's wait for the right guy. And it turned out that Pat Connaughton kind of was that guy in that spot. Uh, and he's you know he's frankly. Um, improved and exceeded kind of that that spot anyway but i mean we were you know looking at like him you know like seth curry kind of you know there's a lot of like pretty good players who just you know which one of them is available for us to pick up and we're sort of we'll build around that when we get there but not getting so caught up in sort of one guy that you you a lot of deals you see get made a lot of like where whether it's trading too much for a guy or paying a guy too much in, in free agency is getting too caught up in, in the one specific guy and not like the type of player you need. Okay. Okay. So this is, I'm glad that you got excited when I asked you about Pat, cause he's not exactly the most glamorous player to talk about, but it's interesting because when they signed this contract three years, 16 million fans didn't like it. And now looking back, it seems like a bargain. So I, I guess my question is how has that happened? But I, I have a theory and I listen to a lot of Bill Simmons so, like, as as more of a numbers based guy, you might feel you might come from a different school. But Bill, like, he loves his wacky theories, and, and I do too because I'm not analytics. I'm not a reporter. I'm just kind of a radio host entertainer. But the theory that I have with Pat Connaughton, and I said before the season, I said watch Pat and watch if he doesn't play with more confidence and doesn't become a better, more consistent shooter. Because I think when the Raptors won the title in 2019, Fred Van Vliet went through those those couple of weeks and was just feeling himself. And I think he came out a different player on the other side. Nothing different physically, no different skill, but but mentally he was changed. Is that something that can happen? And do you think Pat Connaughton became a better version of himself after that run through the finals? Because he hit some huge shots, and I think that carries with you as a shooter, right? Uh, confidence is a hell of a drug. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you like, it, there's sort of a difference between thinking you're you're a certain player and like knowing it because you've done it okay like, I, I i think there's there's you know that's that's not a very um statistically sound uh statement or whatever but i think it's we've seen it enough to know that that's the case yeah no i think him coming back and being you know just just a, a better player especially this year um i think there's something you probably could have have anticipated especially just how good he was kind of late in that playoff run yeah Um, how he sort of established himself as like the exact kind of player who's like you know for for a long time in the NBA and I wrote about this a little in the book there's these these guys that 
you know, are okay regular season players, and then comes the playoff, and it's like, man, that guy is just always around making winning plays. And, you know, a guy who is strong and athletic and versatile and, and can shoot has a nose for the ball. Um, that's certainly certainly a profile of a guy who, who comes up with those, like, that, that one play. Um, in today's game, that certainly is, is, is the kind of profile of guy that you, you'd sort of draw up on a board, right? Yeah. And that kind of sounds like Pat Connaughton, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And he made big shot after big shot in the postseason last year. We're talking with Seth Part now. I got one more question for you. And so it's been announced sure. that the Pacers, they want to do a rebuild, which I'm not sure that I – I don't know if I agree with why they want to do a rebuild. Like, I don't – it's weird to me that they're seemingly championship or bust. Like, the, the you know, making the playoffs isn't good enough for them. But whatever. I don't want to talk about the Pacers. We're talking, obviously, Miles Turner might be available – Sabonis they'll probably keep, but then maybe Karis LeVert. And I started to think, well, is Miles Turner a possibility for the Bucks? And then, because you've worked in a front office, I, I want to ask you this. This is my last question to you. Do small market teams play differently with each other? Right? Like, are the Cavs more willing to help out the Bucks and take Delhi and Henson, knowing that in 10 years, when the Cavs are up and the Bucks are down, the Bucks might reciprocate, or the Pacers or the Pistons took some bad deals from the Bucks? Do you think front offices of small market teams are more willing to maybe help each other out and throw each other a bone, whereas maybe not with the Lakers, the Celtics? Is that a thing, or is that something that I just, like, theorize and, and want to be a thing? Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily market so much. I think it's, you know, the, the adage is that it's a relationship business. Okay. And so if you've dealt with people or, or, you know, as much as people move around the NBA, if you've worked with people and have a good relationship with them, it's easy to kind of – get to you know real conversations without bs and like we're trying to screw you and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so that's i don't think that's as much market size as, as it is like the people who are kind of at least starting the talks for the deal have a good enough relationship that you can you know not waste your time on stuff that that's not even a possibility and kind of get to the real talk faster so i think that that's and maybe like the folks who end up in like like smaller or middle market front offices are sort of different than 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 people who end up in the but I don't know like I haven't sure. I haven't studied I haven't studied like the movement pattern of front offices sure. next to know um, but I think it's I think it's much more of that than it is anything specific about like Milwaukee and Cleveland having an affinity for each other that neither team would with you know say the Clippers okay okay that makes sense no it it certainly is a relationship thing I I mean. Do the Bucks have any ammo to make a Miles Turner deal? Is that possible in any way? I mean, it's 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 getting to the money is yeah. sort of the the hard part for Magic. for for most deals. Like you have to, you know, how, you have to start digging into guys that you kind of want to be in your rotation mm-hmm. before to get to the kind of to get get to the salary that would make a a move for for a mile, for a Miles Turner legal. Um, so that's 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 kind of a hard one to see. And then, frankly, what what do the Bucks have that that a team that's deciding to go a different direction would want? Yeah, I, agree. I mean, they're they're out a bunch of draft picks and don't have a ton of of kind of young up and coming prospects to to sweeten the deal for for a player for a player like that. So it, it's hard to see that particular one coming together. Um, T.J. Warren would be an interesting guy if if he comes back and is healthy because he's you know, uh, older on an expiring, maybe not a guy who's in Indiana's plans going forward. Yeah. So it might be something that you could do something, you know, relatively cheaply for. But that's 
the first thing that has to happen there is he has to get back on the court and show that he's 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 right in, in kind of the, the score that we've seen in the past. Yeah, that would be the first step for the Bucks, getting some of these, like getting Dante healthy and, and maybe getting yeah. Morris some run or, or whatever. And that's a different conversation for a different time. Seth, I appreciate this a bunch. I love your book. I feel like I learned a lot, and that's always a step in the right direction when I'm a smarter basketball fan. Thank you for making that happen, and thanks for coming on and, and joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Seth Partnow, The Athletic, great podcaster, great writer, and you should get his book. It's called The Midrange Theory. And now I will stop beating you over the head with his book. If you want it, get it. If not, all right, cool. Make your own decision. Let's take a break. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.